This is Passport Two, People and Places, brought to you by Jules Verne, taking you around the world, sharing memories and introducing you to the people at the heart of everything we do. I'm Abby, and in this series, I'll be delving into past adventures, inside stories, future journeys, inspiring you to discover the wonders of the world. In this episode, we're going to speak to Rachel O'Reilly. Rachel is the Director of Communications for luxury worldwide travel brand Kironi, who some of you may not know is actually part of the Jules Verne family. We are going to speak to Rachel about her amazing journeys all across the world, from sitting in perfect beaches in the Maldives to picturesque villages in the Caribbean or tasting local food in Asia. Rachel really has done it all. But maybe most importantly, Rachel's going to talk to us about sustainability within travel and how we can all travel a little bit better. Hello, Rachel. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. The sun's shining, which is a good sign on an autumn day. Thank you so much for joining us in London in our podcast studio. It's um, exciting to have you here. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure. (laughs) So our listeners might not know that Jules Verne is part of a much wider group that encompasses many businesses from villas to tailor-made itineraries around the world. But today you're going to talk to us a little bit about that wider group and what you do and how exciting it is to kind of have your job, really. It seems like you've got the best job in the world. I always think I have the best job in the world. Um, But you're absolutely right. It is great to be part of a group. I always think of it as like a, a family of travel businesses isn't it because um, you know we've got some great brands within there Kuoni brand I do a lot of work for lots of people know Kuoni as a kind of luxury long haul specialist but you know actually we do a whole range of destinations around the world short haul UK even not just the glamorous long haul stuff so yeah we're part of a family of travel brands I like to think of it as Being part of a wider group and having all of these brands, that means that, like you said, we travel everywhere. But where for you at the moment is the place that's sort of capturing you the most? Where are you talking about the most in the media and and kind of what's grabbing your attention? Well, listen, core business, I would say, and of volume, you know, lots of people think of Kuoni for the Maldives. You know, it's right up there. When you talk about special occasion holidays, which we do a lot of, things like honeymoons, anniversaries, big zero birthdays, the Maldives is right up there. It's a very magical destination. Um, I was lucky enough to go there when I first started working for Kuoni. I've been a few times since. Um, there's nowhere like it. You know, when you think of hotels, you know, you've got a certain image in mind, haven't you? And when you think of hotels on the Maldives, they're totally different. They are islands. Yes. You know, each hotel is an island. You wouldn't word, use the word hotel, really, would no. you, for the Maldives? You can't even <laughs> use the word resort, can you? They're just no. They're just paradises within themselves, aren't they? And it's really hard to explain to somebody who might not necessarily have been to the Maldives what the Maldives actually is, because it's just this collection of paradises it really is and I think that's where 
people like talking to us for our expertise because each island is very different you know some are super small (laughs) you know there may only be a very very sort of handful of villas you know even if it's full you would never ever feel that way you know you really do have that Robinson Crusoe experience and then other islands are bigger you can cycle around them and have all sorts of you know different experiences so I think that's why people value coming to experts, travel experts, to try and guide them through the process and find out what's right for them. That's the good thing about, again, being within this group, all of this expertise. We are walking and talking encyclopedias of travel, aren't we? We definitely are. And I think in this climate that we're all in, uh, travel is reopening, you know, lots of long haul destinations now dropping their COVID entry requirements. There is obviously the world opening up. But within that, I think there is still complexity. Um, You know, a lot of places that we sell, you know, people go to multiple destinations in one trip. And that isn't easy to do yourself. And let's face it, things happen on holiday. You know, little hiccups happen, flights are delayed, you know, all, all sorts of things happen. And I do think people like having the security and the backup of the experts behind the scenes who can help fix things. Definitely. And I think from our side of things at Jules Verne, it's our tour guides. So we have these wonderful experts in Kironi who book these fantastic itineraries for our customers when you go in there and have your glass of champagne and book your fantastic holiday. And then you're going away with a group of like-minded travellers, but you also have these wonderful guides who will talk you through everything and also give you the best experiences, I feel anyway, because you might not necessarily be going to a destination to see one particular temple or one particular museum, but you'll come away with so many more memories through our guides. I think it's a brilliant thing to do. And, you know, you all, so many places around the world that you that you want somebody to take you through. You want to see the highlights and you want to do that with a group of people. I've been lucky enough over the years to take lots of press trips. You know, my job, you asked me at the beginning of the podcast about my job. I mean, it's uh, I've been looking after the media relations for, for a long time within the travel industry. So my job is to take journalists, um, sort of influencers, as we sort of essentially call them now, away on our holidays to try and get them to experience it and write about it. I've been lucky enough to take uh, media groups all over the world. And actually, there's something about going on a press trip that's actually really quite exciting because you go with a group. Often, you've, you know, you've never met the group at yeah. the beginning. <laughs> You'll meet at the airport and you go off on a trip and actually you come back with the best of friends, yes. um, which is a really lovely experience. So I actually think, you know, tours are like that, aren't they? Yeah. You know, sort of people bond over travel experiences and that's really special. It is. We see a number of bookings as well where we see the same names going on different tours. And it's because, like you said, you you enter as strangers, but you do come away a lot of the time as friends. Mm. And some of my very best friends in my personal life, I have met through various trips traveling. And you then have this lovely collective mix of people all around the world that, you know, it just it broadens your own horizons, doesn't it? And it makes you, I think, a better person traveling and meeting new people in new places. It absolutely does. And, um, you know, you have the, you have you have the biggest love. And, you know, you open up to people as well in a group, I think, which is really lovely. And I remember sort of thinking, you know, I don't, you know, having deep conversations with people over dinner that you think, I'm not even sure I've ever told my closest friends this. But um, no, very much, I think travelling as a group is a is a really super bonding experience. But travel's not just about going away, having these experiences and making these memories and friends. And that's an amazing part of it but it's not everything and something that we do as Der Touristic 
within the group is we have our charitable foundation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are the, the big group that you were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, you know, ultimately we're owned by a company called Dataristic. Um, across Europe, you know, lots of different thriving travel brands all over um, Europe, which is fantastic. Um, I've been a big fan of sustainable tourism for many, many years. It's been a big part of my career, even before we, we knew it was called sustainable travel. But yeah. So I've ha- had a strong interest in it, and that's sort of grown over the years. Uh, now, I think it's really hit public consciousness. We can see all around us, the, you know, the conversations that are ongoing about about climate and how we live our lives. And I think that's really important, really important in the travel industry that we engage in those conversations. Often it's easy for people to point fingers at travel and, yeah. and sort of point fingers and say, hey, you know what, you shouldn't be flying. It's really, you know, having having a negative impact. We all feel we want to do something. We all feel that because look, travel's a good thing, right? Yes. It's good It's good for us. It's good for us as people. It's kind of in our makeup yes. <laughs> that, that we want to travel. So we need to tread the right path, I think, and find a way to do it well. The foundation, which you're talking about, I think is a great initiative. And uh, it's been quite a well-kept secret, I think, within yeah. the group. But um we actually talk a lot about giving back. You know, how do we how do we make sure the destinations that we that you know all our listeners hopefully are travelling to? You know, how do we make sure that they benefit from our tourism pound? And that's a really important consideration, I think, when you're travelling. See, I always make sure, you know, when I'm when I'm away, that um, I love buying things. Lots of my house is sort of decorated with sort of artifacts and yes. and pieces that I've collected from all over and. Um, I think it's really important that you kind of know who you're buying from yeah. because that's a really important thing. You know, you kind of like local craftspeople, they make their livings from through tourism and um, you know, try and make sure whatever you are buying is, you know, that the, that the money that you're spending is going to the pocket of local people because that's an important thing. You know, kind of like, are we supporting economies? Are we supporting local people? So that's what the foundation's all about, really. You know, sort of like people, it's about environments, marine life. We look at, you know, look at David Attenborough and the awareness that, that he has raised about our oceans and um, protecting our oceans, coral reefs, um, you know, reducing plastic pollution yeah that's what it's all about really it's a fantastic foundation and it really does do some amazing work and continues to do and i think it will just continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger but at the moment where are we seeing the biggest impact of those choices that we're making there is all sorts of things. I mean, if you look at the great project in Cambodia, um, for example, where we're taking underprivileged children, youth, you know, who really have very disadvantaged backgrounds, they can come into a sort of environment where they're trained. So they're trained on all sorts of skills to work in the tourism industry. Yeah. You have a sort of thriving community of, of farmers and, and chefs and cooks and uh, you can stay there actually if you book a a Cambodia store it's called the Smiling Gecko and they have a farmhouse so you know that's a really good example of how projects that we're funding can actually have a really positive impact on young people train them positively to actually have you know make a living for themselves and actually benefit from the tourism industry. And do you think that our foundation 
although it's all about sustainability and you know making sure we look after the environment do you think as well we are looking after the culture because as you've you've touched on you know we're making sure that we are buying from the right people and the the money is staying in the local people's pockets but we also offer amazing experiences within the group as well that i think are enhancing culture in all different parts of the world so do you think our group that's a focus for us as well I think it has to be a focus and I think increasingly, I mean, it's not a word I particularly like because it's overused, but authenticity is something that I'm sure listeners will hear about. I think it's overused, but I get it. And I think, you know, if you think about tourism a few decades ago, it was all a big thrill traveling, you know, lots of people were unused to traveling and, you know, and lots of things were sort of created because they think that's what British travelers want to see. Whereas, I don't think that's the case anymore. People want to get under the skin of a destination. You know, they will read up about it before. They might read guidebooks. They might read novels um, set in particular places. And, um, you know, I think that's how people want broaden their understanding of the world. You know, lots of places that, that hotels and resorts that we're looking at now, we like them to be certified. Certified is a very dull word, isn't it? That's an important <laughs> word, but a very dull word. word. <laughs> Certification, you know. But what does that actually mean? You know, actually, when we're talking about the Maldives earlier, I'll use that as an example. You know, when I first uh, went to the Maldives, you know, I want to say, don't just show me the front of the resort. I want to see the back. I want to see behind the scenes. So they took me to their garden, hydrophonic garden, I think they call it. And um, you go and see the herbs and the lettuce and the mint, you know, and all this great stuff that they grow on the island. In the middle of the Indian Ocean. That's what we have to remember here. This is a tiny island. I think I know which island you're talking about. This is a tiny island that takes you 15, 20 minutes to Mm. go around and they're growing mint and herbs. And when I was there, tomatoes Mm. and peppers. And you're sitting there, I can't grow that in my garden in Somerset. Absolutely. (laughs) No, that's great, isn't it? You've been to the same island I have, but it's great. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have a mojito in the the cocktail bar later on. And I feel good. I know that where where the mint from the mojito has come from. But I think that sort of grown on site, organic farms, you know, sort of the more that, you know, Hotels can can be self sufficient. Uh, it feels good for you because you think the, the the stuff that you're eating feels fresh. It feels local, because ultimately uh, hotels around the world will will fly food in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know th- this is something also to be aware of. You know where 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 is the food that you're eating come from? Does it feel good in the middle of uh, the Indian Ocean to be eating Scottish salmon? <laughs> I I think the more the more local the vibe, the more local the cuisine, I think that's got to be a good thing. I think people go to places with a much more open mind than maybe they did many years ago when travel first started its big boom. For me personally, some I've said this before, but some of the best food and the best meals that I've had are where local guides have said, come with me and I'll get you something. And you're trying things that you can't read on the menu. You don't know what's in it, but it's the best. But if I'm sure if I was in a restaurant in London this afternoon, I'd be looking at the menu going, well, I don't like that. So I'm not going to try that. Well, I'm gonna, you're talking about food and, and, and local experiences and I'm going to give you a really good example. 
I went a few years ago to Vietnam and uh, we did a street food safari, wow. um, which was very, very cool. And uh, we took, we got a guide uh, in Hanoi and uh, we went around all of the little street cellars. We went up tiny little winding staircases and we ate on, you know, canteen tables. We ate, but oh my goodness, we ate some extraordinary food. And um, that is where a lot of local people will go and eat. It was really brilliant to go around all the little nooks and crannies, places that we would never have found uh, under our own steam. So the guide took us, um, you know, to, uh, to, to experience really the kind of like the, the, the kind of very, very kind of like essence of, of what it was all about. Um, yeah, it was really great fun. Street food safari. <laughs> street, street food makes anything fun, doesn't it? I think. And also just the, the noises you're hearing while you're walking around. For me, the last one I did was in Venice. So you had the sort of the, the motors of the boats going while I was eating amazing pasta and drinking the best April spritz in the world. And you just making my mouth water now thinking of it so yeah I like the idea of doing a, a street food safari street food safari and actually because I'd not been to Vietnam I actually had not traveled an awful lot in Asia actually so it was a big eye-opener for me but I also had to take a big lesson on crossing the road <laughs> because there's so many motorbikes and um, you know I'm sort of hesitating as you you would maybe in London on on the pavement and a, and a, and a, and a friend who was with me said you know what you're gonna be waiting all day you just have to go you just have to Plow on. <laughs> Hi, it's Abby here. I just wanted to take a moment in the middle of this episode to thank you for downloading and listening to it. Here at Jules Verne, we love to travel and we think you probably do too. And that's why we make this podcast, for you and your friends to find out about the amazing places in this world that we can visit. If you're enjoying it, we'd be really grateful if you could share it with your friends and your network. You could share the podcast with your friends directly from wherever you're listening to it. You could phone them up and tell them, or you could even share the podcast with your social media network. We put a link in the show notes that you can copy and paste into Twitter, Facebook, an email, WhatsApp, wherever your digital world is. If you could just take a second to share this with your friends, either right now or at the end, we'd really appreciate it. And now, back to our conversation. Kind of sticking on the the food theme then, for you, is there anywhere in the world that you think of when I say, you know, travelling for food, is there anywhere you think of, oh, I've got to go back and have that particular meal? I'm a big fan of Croatia. Um, I have had a a couple of really lovely family holidays in Split. Um, you know, I, I think anywhere that you can eat fresh fish really appeals to me. And, um, you know, somewhere that you think, actually, I know that, you know, the food is going to be going to be light and it's going to be tasty. So big fan of Croatia. Where else? Let me think. Um, I mean, Sri Lanka, I really loved. Yeah. You know, tiny island, but really so rich in, in sort of diverse experiences. And um, uh, I love a curry. Yeah. <laughs> Sri Lanka's good for a curry. I love a curry. So, so, so I think from that perspective, you know, that that that, that was really fantastic. Uh, go back to Sri Lanka like a shot, I have to say. 
Yeah, Sri Lanka is wonderful. I think as well, the, like you said, the diversity in Sri Lanka is is huge. Um, I didn't realise how spicy Sri Lankan food was compared to Indian food. I was really surprised. Um, and also, I, I didn't realise at one point I was eating jackfruit in a curry. And I thought, well, this is amazing. I love this. Completely not knowing what I was eating. But the yeah, the taste of Sri Lanka. And the further north you go is very, very different, isn't it, to the kind of the taste and even the sounds of the south. It is a really interesting destination because you, and it re does really well for us, you know, it's it, it's somewhere that people go back to time and time again. And I think what I really loved about it, you can actually have that safari experience. There's nothing I like better than being in a four-wheel drive Jeep. <laughs> I love a four-wheel drive Jeep. So to get in um, a sort of safari uh, vehicle, you know, to go off and you see elephants and all sorts of wildlife. I love that. I love that about Africa, but you know, Sri Lanka offers it really, really well. You know, and at the same time, you know, the same holiday, you know, you can then sort of be a few hours away and you can be in a beach resort. You can get really good blend, I think, of cultural experiences and there's a wildlife experiences too. Yeah, Yala is fantastic, isn't it, in Sri Lanka? I think the elephants as well are just Oh, elephants are my favourite animal, but they, yeah, seeing them in Sri Lanka is amazing. What I loved about Sri Lanka was going from a candy to New Arella on the train. I think I'm, I'm a massive train fan anyway, and I think any journey that we can do that encompasses a train is fantastic. But that journey through sort of the winding hills and looking out the window, some of the best pictures you see on social media from that train journey. Um, Sri Lanka really does, yeah, it has everything, doesn't it? And it's 45 minutes away from the Maldives, so you've got a nice little stay at the end of it as well it's a good combination it's a good combination it does really well for special occasions um you know somebody looking for that complete blend of sort of ultimate r and r but actually an adventure at the same time so you can pack a lot into a two-week trip i have to say so where else other than sort of we've, we've touched on some europe and chalanka but is there anywhere else that you think at the moment is really sort of um leading the way for ethical and sustainable travel um, I've always got my eye on New Zealand because I think I think they're doing something quite interesting. You know, they 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 announced you know actually even sort of in the midst of lockdown in in the pandemic that they were going to refresh their approach uh, to tourism, and I think they're doing some interesting things there. Where else has caught my eye? Uh, Mauritius is another example I would yeah. say that's worth a look at. It's it's Indian Ocean again. We've talked quite a lot today about Indian Ocean, but the destination in terms of experiences is really trying hard, I think, to to build a sustainable tourism industry, uh, whether that is through whale watching, dolphin watching, you know, the sort of animal side of it, you know, hotel groups that are going the extra mile, I think, to try and bring a sort of cultural flavour to the destination. Um, and, and, I, and I think are doing a lot, a lot to sort of get people beyond the hotel, you know, all inclusive resorts often have a very very negative sort of image, yeah. if you like, don't they? You yeah. know, the sort of negative, I suppose, side of all inclusives that they they keep people within a resort, and um, you know, because people, you know, so they're great value, of course they are, but it stops people going out and about, sort of experiencing the real destination. So. 
I sort of hear, hear that, but I think they have moved on a lot, actually. Um, and I think, I think you know, the more you can sort of encourage people to get on a bicycle, actually. And, I, and I've had some sort of great examples of that in, in Mauritius where you can sort of like go on bicycle tours. You can go to local villages, um, have dinner with a local family, actually, which I did in Mauritius and, and was terrific fun. <laughs> Grandma of the family was cooking us curry. And, um, yeah, you really feel like you're sort of at home for the evening, yeah. uh, getting a feel for how real people people live oh it's, it's wonderful i think as well like you said bike riding and things like that it's really important isn't it to get out of the resort when you're doing sort of a what we'd say a stay holiday where you're staying in one place other than a tour where you're sort of out and about all the time one of the i think one of the places that i think is amazing for doing that is antigua um you know 365 beaches so you've got a beach for every day of the year but you've got some fantastic small boutique hotels there and i'm i remember one of them and the chef will actually come down at breakfast and ask people what they would like for dinner and goes to the market but will take people with him so or her but they will go to the market and you will see local life through that way so yes you're staying in an all-inclusive beautiful beachfront hotel but you also have that opportunity to get out about and and see locals i think you're right hotels are really doing that well now and taking note of what people want i agree and i'm glad you mentioned the caribbean abby (laughs) because i love the caribbean it was a place that surprised me about how much i love it and i think that anybody listening to this who thinks the caribbean is just about all-inclusive hotels and rum punches which (laughs) it is a little bit (laughs) yeah there's definitely an element to it (laughs) love a rum punch um there is so much more to the caribbean than that saint lucia is a favorite of mine Uh, i love antigua for for all the reasons that you've described but also love saint lucia Uh, one of my favorite things to do if anybody knows knows the brand hotel chocolat um they have um a sort of cocoa plantation in saint lucia it's a really really great place to visit they have a thing called the bean to bar experience highly recommend doing that uh, you go and uh, learn lots of things about cocoa and uh, how, how it's grown you plant your own tree and then you make your own chocolate from the beans and it is not as easy as it looks you're doing it all by hand <laughs> but it is terrific fun and I think again in terms of sustainable tourism I think it's a really good example of creating a fantastic hands-on visitor experience whilst at the same time understanding a little bit about the farming industry cocoa growers um, how they kind of work with manufacturers and, and 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 bigger brands so so those sort of experiences are things that I love so we've sort of gone all over the world, which actually is very lucky and testament to your amazing job that you get to travel all over the world and see these amazing places. But as a family, is there anywhere you, you've mentioned you have children? Is there anywhere as a family that's really special to you to go? Well, I have to say Yorkshire and yeah. <laughs> we're talking about worldwide travel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring it closer to home. Let's bring it closer to home because I am from Yorkshire, um, just outside York, and, and I still love it. It's kind of where my heart is. And I know that um, Jules Verne and, and Kuoni actually, during lockdown, took a, took an opportunity to look at holidays a bit closer to home we as well. Um, so so, so that, that's close to my heart. As a family, you know, we do... Actually, our holidays are relatively simple, I have to say. Um, I've just been to... This summer, we, we, we went to Portugal, to the Algarve. Again, I'd not been to Portugal before, but I was blown away by how how beautiful it is. Um, 
absolutely stunning beaches, but it made me want to go and explore more of Portugal, actually. Um, I've never been to Lisbon. It really made me feel like I wanted to go to Lisbon. I have to say I wish I'd gone with a very large extra bag because I became completely seduced by all the shops and the tiles and the ceramics. Um, I got completely carried away. Uh, but the, but I so so Portugal was a was a great family holiday. We've talked about Croatia, and yeah. again, you know, I have been uh, with a, with the kids a few times um, to Split, a, a fantastic city. If never if you've never been, I highly recommend it. It's a great base actually because you can use it. There's loads of sort of boat trips, and you yeah. sort of go out to the islands from there. But actually, it's a very very vibrant city uh, in itself. The, the kids the kids are kind of uh, they're, they're well traveled. I, I think that travel is a great confidence builder yes. uh, for for young people. Um, so I do love being able to take them to places. We have family in America. We spent yeah. um, a couple of weeks um, at Easter in Los Angeles. All the better for having spent a longer period there. Often LA is somewhere that you sort of pass through for a couple of nights on a broader itinerary. But yeah. I have to say, being there, you know, with family, uh, albeit, but 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 it was t- super actually to spend a length of time there because I think it's a city that is not particularly beautiful, <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is an understatement. But but there are pockets of it, you know, by the beach, coastal drives, you know, lots and lots of nooks and crannies where the locals go. I loved it, absolutely loved it. I think that's the key, isn't it? Always go where the locals go. That's where you'll get the best experience. Uh, you know, Abby, that we work very closely with television presenter Simon Reeve. Yes. Um, and uh, he's become a good friend of ours. We've worked with him for many, many years. He loves what we do uh, collectively as a sort of Coney Jules Verne family. And I was talking to him yesterday, actually, about his, you know, his travels and, and, and his own style. And, and he was talking about the, the importance of good guides, yes. you know, that they can actually introduce you to things that you would never find even in a guidebook so big big advocate for good guides I love our guides I mean I'm very biased because our our holidays are centered around these amazing guides um I'm very proud actually Sicily is one of our destinations at the moment that customers are really enjoying we're having fantastic feedback and we're really seeing bookings for Sicily kind of go up and up and up but one of our guides in Sicily actually won a worldwide guide award and I'm so proud of this lady for winning. I've met her once, but I feel so proud of her to have her within the family. And I think yourself and Simon are right. The guides are really important because you need to make sure that you are spending the correct time at the correct places, learning, but also taking away, you know, Uh, taking away these amazing experiences and you only get that through experts you really do and and a guide is a really it's a really personal thing as well but and I think that's why selecting guides well is a really important point because I have to be honest bad guides can ruin a trip as well I'll give you an example of that (laughs) (laughs) a few years ago I was in uh, Egypt in Cairo and uh, and we were you know we were on a, a little coach and pulling and the guide never stopped talking I mean he never stopped talking he was on a monotone uh, he'd obviously learned his script off by heart very pleased with himself and he just went on it didn't adapt it for the group that he was with and you know when you arrive at the pyramids you know it's a really kind of awe-inspiring moment isn't yeah. it and you really want to think I just want to take a moment of calm and peace and quiet just to observe and watch and and feel the 
magic happen and he talked and he talked and he talked and he talked (laughs) yeah and that's when you come away thinking oh read the group you know read the group you know and 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 adapt your style accordingly so yeah there's there's great guides and you say when you find them they are they are absolutely worth their weight and we don't let them go when we Mm. find them that's it you're ours then you're staying within the group forever and i think as well you know we're talking about guides as in a group travel concept but actually it's really important to know that you can do these journeys privately you can do them tailor-made you can do a group itinerary completely on your own and you still have these amazing expert guides that you then come back with as a friend i've got many of them on various social media platforms and i'm like oh you know what they up to in costa rica today oh he's doing this oh what's she doing in sicily today and it's i think it's amazing that again you've got these collection of people peppered all around the world that you can kind of draw on their expertise when you need them but um yeah it's really important to know that you don't have to travel in a group just to get an expert guide yeah, no, absolutely. And as you say, becoming friends, I mean, I know that you're on Instagram too. And if anybody is on social media, I sometimes connect with those guides, like yeah. you say, and you, years later, you, you know, you're following all their uh, their their life on, on Instagram as well. You know, it does feel like they become lifelong friends. So just going back to sort of family travel and, and your children, um, an interesting point I was thinking is you said that your children are very well traveled and they've been very, you know, lucky and privileged to travel. But it's interesting to think what the next generation of travellers will be because I was very lucky and fortunate that I travelled a lot with, you know, my parents. I'm in my 30s. When I have children, they will probably travel. You have children currently. So, you know, what do you think the landscape of travel for the next generation is going to be? It's a very, very good question. And actually, the... Um gathering of the sort of great and good of the travel industry happened uh, a week ago in uh, in Morocco, in Marrakesh. Um, and I was at that co- part of that conference. And there was a presentation by a 17-year-old guy talking wow. about Gen Z, Generation Z. Oh, the most amazing presenter and cre- oozing confidence. But it what he did touch on some very interesting points. You know, this is a generation, you've talked about it already, Abby, you know, that, that have been used to traveling with their parents. You know, their parents, you know, people, you know, like everybody, I'm sure, listening to this podcast, you know, they they maybe started as backpackers themselves. Yeah. So they've grown up with that love of travel. Uh, they've been on family holidays, perhaps in the UK or domestically and overseas as well. My children are growing up um, having having had travel knitted into their their lives it is an important part of their lifestyles i don't think they're going to give it up i think they will continue to champion um sustainability i think they'll want to do it well but i think they will travel for all sorts of different reasons as well as family holidays I've always made sure that my children uh have opportunity to go on school trips and are now operating again which is fantastic to see you know my daughter's studying politics a level so you know she is very sad that the washington trip isn't happening but you know i think i'd love to take her to washington to to understand about US politics. And, you know, that to me is sort of travel plus education. You know, the, what's the best classroom is actually to go there, isn't it? Yeah. My son is actually going uh, with my husband to Berlin next week in the half term that he's studying German. So again, it sort of blends some history, some, you know, so, and some, some language skills at the same time. 
So I think I think the the generation coming through are going to be traveling for lots of different reasons. Um, I think they will want to explore. But listen, I think at the end of the day, they will also want some rest and relaxation too. Uh, I think health and well-being is going to be super important as well. Definitely. And some headspace and time to breathe. So we've sort of, like we said, we've traveled everywhere. We've gone all around. Um, for you, sort of last question of, of the podcast, where in the world has captured your heart the most and, and why? Um, good question. And it's hard to pick, isn't it, when you just think about one destination. Um, so I'm going to pick two. Australia. I went and spent uh, a period of time there in my 20s. I worked there and travelled around. I, I absolutely love the kind of outback experience. Yeah. I thought that was just fantastic. And I absolutely, you know, I, lo- I talked about driving around in four-wheel drives, Jeeps. <laughs> I love a bit of that. But also I love Sydney. I mean, Sydney's the most phenomenal city. And uh, I was lucky enough to live there for about four months and uh, just found it absolutely magical. But the other place I will talk about is Africa, because I think if you've never been um it can seem a bit daunting, maybe, you know, you just sort of think, my goodness, you know, how do I travel around? You know, what will it be like? And but I, I went to Zimbabwe when I was 24 and I understood why people fall in love with Africa. Yeah. Um, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like seeing elephants come to the watering hole as the sun goes down absolutely nothing like seeing wildlife you know in its natural habitat it's absolutely magical I have been back to South Africa since but I I would love to explore more of Africa and I do think that it's captivating it really is it really is Rachel thank you so much for joining us I think this has been a really interesting episode to kind of get a little bit of history behind our brand and the Kironi brand and the wider touristic sort of international group so thank you so much pleasure We hope you've enjoyed the latest episode of Passport 2, People and Places. Look out for our next episode where we'll be talking to more guests about the people and places that have inspired them the most. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please do get in touch. Thanks for listening.